focus on matching problems with solutions for humans. It's not about the algorithm. It's not about this one metric in this one dashboard. It's not about selling something that, that nobody needs. If you really focus on matching problems with solutions for humans, you're probably going to be in a better place with all of your channels and tactics and deliverables and strategy and metrics and all the things. You're listening to Content Logistics, a podcast for B2B marketers looking to build a content engine that drives revenue. In each episode, Camille Trent interviews the marketers behind the best content marketing flywheels and uncovers the tactical aspects of content production from first draft to first customer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Content Logistics. I'm your host, Camille Trent, and this episode is brought to you by Tristan and Justin over at Motion. They are a an agency for busy B2B tech marketers that are looking to stand up a podcast like this one, or maybe you already have a podcast, you're not super happy with the quality or the strategy or the distribution. They actually take care of all of that. They're what I call full stack podcasting agency that'll help you with the, the strategy, the production and the distribution. So definitely give them a call if you are in the market. Today, our guest is Ashley Faust. She is the Director of Integrated Product Marketing at Atlassian. And I wanted to bring her on to walk through the logistics of integrated product and content teams for a better demand engine. Ashley, thanks for coming on. Yeah, good to be here, Camille. I'm glad we're finally getting to chat, like, officially. I know we go back and forth on LinkedIn. We've been on a couple of calls together, but this will be fun. Yeah, yeah. For those who who don't know, like, Ashley and I were in a sort of group together through a Sweetfish. Uh, and so we got a, a chat on all things marketing. And now is kind of our, our chance to exclusively talk about content, content and product, I guess, for this specific episode. But we're narrowing in the focus a little bit more. So it's our chance to deep dive. All right. So Ashley, when I was looking back at uh, your your history, not your full history, because there's a lot, but uh, <laughs> didn't go too, too far in the internet. But uh, just looking at Atlassian and your last few roles, uh, there are a few things that, that stood out. And I essentially like wanted to talk about that, like that, that summary of product and marketing sort of like coming together and how they fit together. So you started, yeah. you started in corporate comms uh, within Atlassian. You moved over to integrated media and then you moved back to comms, but with more of a content strategy lead focus for software teams, which we'll get into later. And then now you are a director of integrated product marketing. So congrats on that. And that's like a like fairly new, but the themes that I see are content, integrated, product. So kind of like that glue between content and product. So can you walk me through just uh, your journey and maybe uh, like how those things intersect and what each of those roles look like? Sure. So the real driver of a lot of these things is that I am more of a marketing generalist. And so I like to stick my nose in other people's business. And so I joke, I'm like, yeah, I want to do 30% of four boxes. And it's like, you realize the math is 120%. I'm like, that's fine. I just want to do, you know, the, the cool pieces of this. So I think for me, that's what you see in that progression. The continuous thread is really on the audience focus. Where are they what do they care about? What will resonate with them? And then how do I tell those stories from the organizational perspective in a way that will resonate with that audience? And so I get to cover a wide variety of different intents. So when I was kind of sitting more on the comm side of the house and the integrated media side of the house, 
those intents were more of a trust or credibility intent. I want to build that affinity, relationship, trust, and rapport with the audience. So thinking more at the thought leadership or brand level. In my current role, which you see on kind of the content strategy and now as the integrated product marketing role, it's really thinking about connecting from what would be traditionally called top of funnel, which I don't really ascribe to the funnel as we know. I'm like, nobody thinks that way. We need to build a playground where it's all connected. But thinking about as we find people who are looking to learn about practices and learn about how tools can help them improve their ways of working, that starts to get into a learn intent and buy intent from a product perspective. And so that's what I'm working on now. I work across Agile and DevOps and there's multiple products in that portfolio, but thinking about how do we unite the practices with the products. And so we unite that learn intent with that buy intent. So for me, it's really been more of a focus of the different intents that each audience might have versus very different deliverables or very different channels and tactics. It's been more of that kind of audience focus and ultimate outcome for the business. Yeah, that makes sense. So in breaking down that more comms role versus the content strategy on the software team role, the intents being different there. And it was really just about focusing on, okay, now my intent is this, how do we solve for that? So what do you think most people get wrong though, when they're developing like a product, sorry, when they're putting together product marketing orgs or just marketing orgs in general, like what's wrong? We can start with this. What's wrong with the the structure sometimes as someone who's in a larger organization, who has seen that organization be built out? I see two key problems. The first is having all of the product marketers so individually focused on a single product. And that sounds counterintuitive because you're like, yes, you're a product marketer. Therefore, you market a product. But particularly in a larger organization like ours, where we have a portfolio of products, where we're looking to upsell or we're looking to cross-sell you know, into more of that solution mindset or across multiple products, having individuals so completely focused on just their product. And that goes that goes for the goals, that goes for the channels that they use, that goes for all of the campaigns that they run where everything is singularly focused on their product. It makes it really hard when you are ready to move up market, start talking about being more of a platform, start selling for more of a solution mindset. So that's the first thing. The second thing, in my opinion, is separating the content and distribution pieces from product marketing. So we're actually pretty fortunate. Most of the product marketers at Atlassian do have a fairly strong skill set in creating content. And that includes long-form content that might have SEO implications. It includes the distribution skill sets around email, ads, social media, community building, events. So we're fortunate that most of the folks have at least some skills in those areas, but I see this a lot in other companies and and when I talk to colleagues where they're like, content sits over there and they're doing something completely separate and product marketing sits over here and does something completely separate. And again, they don't have shared goals, they don't have shared language, and they don't have shared plans. There's this, and again, this is why I get so frustrated about the funnel. There's this like, yeah, content is top of funnel and then product marketing is middle of funnel and then sales is bottom of funnel. And I'm like, okay. Why do you not have all your people talking and planning and sharing their goals to create a journey that is holistic for the audience? 
Nice. Yeah. So what, what does that look like ideally? Uh, like how does your team share goals? How does the product marketing team and, and product teams share goals so that you can create the, the right content strategy? Yeah. So there's a couple ways this happens. We have goals and obviously you do have to have people who are specifically responsible for goals. You can't just generally say like, okay, Ashley, you're responsible for all 10 goals. It's like, okay, I have to have some goals that I am directly responsible for. So in my case, I'm responsible for more traditional content marketing goals around driving traffic from an SEO perspective, ranking from an SEO perspective, you know, engagement, impressions, click-throughs from social media, open rates, and those kinds of things from email. However, I also work very closely with my counterparts to look at the conversion rates. So that's basically the first bridge. The conversion rates from, great, you brought in this traffic. Now how many of those people sign up for a free trial or click into the product tour or sign up for the product? At that point, then it gets handed over to a team that's responsible for what we call basically that first week metric. So you're not going to get people to stay in the product for months and years if you can't even get them to stay in the first week. And so as we think about, again, this is a bridge from a deliverable perspective, how do we empower those users to get some quick wins? So we have product guides for that. We have templates for that. We have onboarding information that's public. Well, that has SEO implications, right? Like if somebody Googles how to use Jira for Scrum, okay, that's going to show up in the search results and that's a very specific buy intent or use intent. But that Scrum keyword, it, we know, also has a high monthly search volume, right? So my team works very closely with the PMM for JSW to say, okay, how do we make sure that people find those guides and understand the use cases at a high level and then when they're ready to use the content that they actually use it? Then we also partner with product and with our analytics teams to look at the in-product engagement. So if we were to say, you know, looking looking at if we say from a, as an example, top of funnel, you know, Jira software template for, you know, DevOps. And then we say, okay, we've got some articles, some guides and tutorials about that. So that's a content piece of it. Once they get in, how many people are actually using that template? So we can then start to see, hey, this template is actually getting a lot of use, but we don't have enough content on it. Or we get a lot of search results, we get a lot of traffic, we get a lot of conversion on this template. We should spend time from a product or engineering perspective, making sure that this template is optimized and easy to use in product. And so that's how we start to connect those bridges between deliverables, different kind of skill sets, and then the actual metrics and having shared goals all the way through. Okay, interesting. All right, a couple follow-up questions here. So uh, one is that conversion rate piece, so meaning from content to the product. Who's who's owning that and monitoring that? So that goal sits with me primarily, and I collaborate very closely with my PM count, PMM counterparts. So for example, when we start to see those metrics in product of what's getting used, we then feed that back in to say, what's the right CTA to drop people into. So ultimately I'm I'm looking at that in terms of kind of the the signups and the we call it try intent, which is basically going over into the product tour. I'm looking at that metric and then I'm working very closely with other teams throughout the organization to make sure that wherever they land when they click is the right place. Nice. Okay. And that is that as director of integrated product marketing, or were you owning that 
when you were a content strategist lead as well? Uh, like how much does content play into it? Yeah. So that has been become a much bigger focus in the integrated product marketing role that I'm in now. It still had some, you know, I was still looking at it when I was in that content strategy lead role, but we were, the focus in that case had a bit more on traffic, overall content strategy in terms of, you know, what trends and what topics do we want to go after? And then how do we go after them? But now I am focusing more on that, you know, whatever we would consider to be top of funnel to mid funnel conversion. Nice. Okay. And then the other one was about, this is more on the back end. So I imagine this is probably more product or project product manager, probably specifically is the one that's looking at template usage, right? So in product template usage, and then and then are they looping that back to you or is it sort of an open dashboard where you can go in and see, you know, on the back end what templates are being used so that you can see what you still need or what you need to make more of? So most of that is happening more at the product management side of the house. I do get some of that information in terms of, you know, this feature. And, and we look at it beyond just the templates. We look at it in terms of, you know, features, buttons, like all the various in-product information. We also do some original research with our customers to ask them like, hey, what do you like? What do you dislike? What's confusing? And then if we start to say, okay, this is a confusing thing. Is that something that content can potentially solve? Or is it something that maybe from a UI or UX or new feature standpoint that we would solve that. So we do pull in a mix of product analytics and customer interviews and, and research to determine what is the best solution for that problem. If it's a content solution, that may come to me. It may also go to some of our content designers. So they write a lot of our support documentation. I guess that's another thing to kind of clarify that that is another piece of the organization that in some cases is siloed. In our case, we try to work very closely with them because, again, we know that that's a full funnel journey. All of that support documentation is available on the web, so it has SEO and search implications. So we try to work closely with our content designers. But once we see where there's gaps, then we need to determine, you know, if it's a content issue, if it's a UI or UX issue, or if it's a product feature gap. Nice. That's super smart. I like the idea. I don't, this might be... This might be the most common, but for the product designer to create those pieces. But I've also been at co companies where CS, you know, helps helps create that too. I think that makes some sense too. It's probably like I think it's going to be a theme of this episode: integrated, right? Like the more it can be integrated or reviewed by you know different people in different ways, without it, you know, becoming a bigger project than it needs to be. Probably, probably for the best. All right, so I yeah. think we have we good background here on on you, where you come from, your mindset. And so I think just a little bit of background on Atlassian. I think most people listening to this are going to know Atlassian, going to know it's a, it's a pretty large company. But if you can just give me around like where the stage is, when I did a little bit of research, it looked like valuation was around $2 billion. That was last year. So just give me an idea of how many people are on the team and stage you're at now. Sure. So I would say Atlassian is at an enterprise stage. I'm not totally sure on the exact number, but I think we've got around 10,000 employees now. Our product portfolio is also quite large. Like the portfolio I work on is six products, and that is across Agile and DevOps. So most, most folks have heard of Jira. Lots of people have heard of Trello and Confluence. For example, those are two of our other, you know, bigger projects or bigger products for business teams. And then... I looked it up from a revenue perspective. Last quarter, we did just over $800 million in revenue. So again, large. Obviously, we're not full-on like 
Oracle, Microsoft level, but I would say when you start talking about team size, that's that's also a hard question. People ask me, they're like, well, how many people are on your team to do this thing? And I'm like, well, to your point about being integrated, we yes, I can tell you how big my team is. I currently have six direct reports that work across a variety of different areas in product marketing and content. I also have social media for the Agile and DevOps portfolio in my remit, which again, that's, a, that's another question, right? It's like, so does social media belong in product marketing? Does it belong in content? Does it belong with brand or with comms? And it's like, well, that is a strategy question that each company needs to answer. And in some cases, the answer may be different per org. So yeah, my current team is six, but we work very closely. We have a separate SEO team. We have a separate marketing analytics team. We have a brand content team. Each of the PMM organizations for the markets markets that we focus on have some mix of dedicated content-focused people. Some of them have content PMM titles. Some of them have writer or editor titles. Some have, you know, a social media or community type of title. And then in my case, I have the product marketing title. Nice, nice. Okay. And then just as far as levels, I guess you could call it, or uh, what, what, are, what are some of the umbrellas, I guess, within product marketing, within content to kind of help bucket teams? Sure. Let me think about this because it, it differs a little bit. I mean, I know what we have in our Agile and DevOps portfolio, but I, it differs between ITSM and work management. Those are our three core markets. So yeah. you could just on the Agile to, DevOps, yeah, stick, stick to yours. Yeah, I'll just stick to mine. I'll, I'll, I'll bring, it, bring it down. So on Agile and DevOps, we have my team, which is like a centralized team that works across the portfolio. We've got an editor on the team who handles things like the editorial calendar, who works very closely with the other PMMs to understand their topics. We have the social media person who handles a variety of different handles across LinkedIn, Twitter. They also work very closely with our community. And then we have four associate product marketing managers, and they're actually mapped into several different teams. So they help with a mix of content, distribution like newsletters, and then also some core product marketing tasks like launch planning, for example, where they're working directly with a product manager. So then we we do also have some content PMMs on the respective teams. And this is something where we're even kind of thinking through this from an evolution standpoint, that comment that I made of like having product marketers only on a single product. We're kind of dealing with this. We're like, should these people look across the portfolio? Should they focus more specifically? Like, do we draw those lines around deliverables versus products? Like this is this is a discussion that we're having. But currently we do have a couple of content PMMs and they focus a lot on the long form content. So for example, writing a blog for a product launch or writing top five things that are new in the product this quarter and how you can use them. They write a lot more of that type of content. I would consider that to be like buyer use intent content versus my team tends to focus more on kind of that higher level thought leadership or educational content. And then we, depending on what makes most sense, we'll share the responsibility for kind of bridging that gap. Nice, nice. Thank you for for breaking that down. So I think the, yeah, the role right before this, correct me if I'm wrong, where your content strategist lead but it was within the software's team. That that interests me because I, I was curious what those other teams might be. 
right? Like the yeah. content team specifically for software. And then I imagine maybe some other ones were that more corporate comms, but explain like how that looks or how you think about organizing content. Sure. So we, for software teams that aligns basically with our agile and DevOps overall market, that role well, I should say my current role is basically a promotion slash expansion from my previous role. So I still own that work. We have a number of microsites. So for example, Atlassian.com slash agile slash DevOps slash microservices, continuous delivery, all of those topics. So the content strategist piece of that was really focused on those audiences and the channels related to those audiences. Um, we have a similar set of kind of channels and audiences for work management, for example. So if you go to the work stream, that is our kind of work management focused hub. And that's actually evolving. It, for the most part, was used by the Confluence team over the last couple of years. And you're starting to see that they're they're pulling in some links to, you know, Trello or Jira Work Management or one of our new products that just went GA Atlas. So I focus mostly on the software teams like Agile and DevOps, so engineering managers, product managers, DevOps engineers, those types of folks. So in our case, we're really organizing around audiences and topics. And then obviously we've got product tours and things like that, but the true content marketing is is organized by audience and topic, not necessarily by product. Okay, nice. How do you break down the purpose of your content team? And then how, if you, if you don't think in terms of funnel, how do you think of, of that playground? Sure. So I think that the funnel is a retrospective measurement tool, not a forward-looking strategy tool. I think that too many teams fall into the trap of saying, okay, we need to create this many pieces of content for top of funnel. And that is the awareness. So we're going to make them aware of our company. Next consideration. They will now make a decision. We will get them to like the product. And I'm like, okay, are they, do they, you know, and you've heard people talk about being problem aware or solution aware. Again, I see a lot of pitfalls with that because too many companies are like, I'm going to make you aware of the problem that I solve. And when I say being solution aware, I mean of my solution. And then some cases you need to educate the market about that, like they, how to even frame up the problem, how to evaluate whether they have the problem. Same thing for solution aware. It's like, does a solution exist? Do they, is the solution that exists good? How do you evaluate the different solutions? So I think there's, there's a lot more to it. So when I think about the playground, the analogy I always give is like, what's the right way to play on the playground? Is it to go slides then swing the merry-go-round? Well, no, you could go merry-go-round and then slides, or you could skip the swings altogether, right? If you watch kids play on a playground, they go up the slide, not down the slide. They have a grand old time just like digging in the dirt. You know, you've got this huge playground for them and they're over here like digging in the dirt, right? When we apply that to our audience, we start to realize that we have to make this a smart journey. We have to enable them to go in whatever order they want. So a tactical example of this kind of related back to where I was talking about with content design and our support documentation. If somebody Googles how to do X with Jira, the documentation might actually come up first because that is a very specific title with a very specific intent. But you don't necessarily know, do they already have Jira? 
and they're trying to implement something or troubleshoot something? Or are they trying to understand whether Jira offers this as a feature? And so we have to make it very obvious that if you land at a place where you don't mean to be, you're like, I don't even have Jira. Why am I, why are you giving me steps in Jira? Great. How do you get back over to the product tour or the product guide or the template library to understand that this thing even exists as a very tactical example? Another tactical example, you know, sometimes when you get into the product and it says like, oh, do you want to do Scrum or Kanban? Well, if you don't know what those agile terms are, you don't know which one you should choose. And if you're not even running agile, you're like, I don't know. I just said I'm, I Googled project management software and Jira came up. So like the scrum one, that was easier to say. I don't know. So you pick that, right? How do you make sure that that journey doesn't cause friction to where people bounce? Where it's like, I don't even know what these are. This seems complicated. I'm just going to, I'm not going to finish my sign up or I'm not going to start my first project as an example. So those are some of the things when I think about like building that playground, the cross-linking and the ability for someone to quickly understand where they've landed. If they want to be there, great. Stay here. Keep reading. If you've landed in the wrong place, how do I make sure that it's very easy for you to get where you intended to go? So I've been thinking a lot about content depths and then also content intents. So content doesn't inherently have an intent. A human puts the intent on it, right? Like I see this a lot where people are like, blog posts are for whatever the thing is. In some cases, it's, you know, for learning or for selling. And it's like, no, blogs don't inherently have any intent. Like when you write the content, that's when it gets an intent. So I, I think about that a lot to say, okay, what is the intent? Are they here to use the product, troubleshoot the product, build trust with the company, understand the topic, like those are very different. So that's one piece. And then the other piece is around content depth. So looking at the conceptual, strategic, and tactical depth. And again, I hear people be like, well, that's three things. So it's the three phases of the funnel. And I'm like, again, the what and the why of the idea, the tools, knowledge, processes, you know, strategy behind the idea and then the actual prescriptive nitty-gritty step-by-step instructions, you can see how those don't actually map to the funnel stages. So I'll pause there because that's a lot of things, but I get very excited about playgrounds and journeys and thinking through like how it all goes together. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to recap this and yeah, and, and you can tell me if I got it right or not. But a couple light bulb moments for me were one, something I say a lot is like the the channels, not the strategy. And I think that's what you're saying with intent, right? Is like, the blog, it, the fact that it is a blog doesn't mean that there's a specific intent different from like a, a social post, right? But the content within there sort of like determines that that intent or really, I think, and you said this too, the person, right? The person putting in the search like has an intent and you can get closer like with with the content of trying to understand what that intent is, but you can't, you can't totally know. And, and so then in your role to kind of make up for that, you also have to think pretty deeply about content design or a content experience, right? And that's like where it's it's allowing you to go up the slide or down the slide or backwards on the on the on the swing, upside down on the swing, all of that, right? So you have to like create these portals, like if you will, <laughs> like just think it's fun to think about, like think of it as like a like a, a clue board where you can there's certain rooms where you can like portal into other rooms, right? 
But that, yeah, there's basically quick links or there's, you know, just like a, a nice design that, that links you to, you know, suggested content or uh, other places where you may have been trying to get. And like the, the port key, you're just getting really nerdy. Uh, it was just like slightly off, right? And you ended up in this, in this other place. Like you want to, you want a way to, to easily like catch, catch the bus again, get back. So, so those are the two, the other yeah, two things, channels of the strategy and then integrated, like uh, what's starting to click for me is this idea of like integrated, whether it's content marketing or product marketing can, once it's, once it's translated to content, like can just end up being like this high level mapping or this like high level content design that sort of like ties everything together or like creates a, uh, a map for folks. Yeah. I think that's a good summary. <laughs> All right. Good. Uh, I'm glad I didn't go too off the rails with, with my, uh, portal analogy there. I like the portal analogy. I feel like that's a good, I'm not a big video gamer, but I know there's literally a game called portal and you like have to find the key where you like shoot the portal and jump through. So yeah. 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 I'm thinking, yeah. Rick and Morty like, uh, style yeah. graphics here. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so playground versus funnel, I think is like the big, the big takeaway from there. All right. So the why we talked about this a little bit, but recommending, like, why would you recommend content teams to be split the way they are or would you for, for Atlassian? And then why this kind of like relationship that you're describing between content and product. And if you want to go a little bit, you know, more, more deep into what that looks like. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Personally, I'm highly biased to say that the way that my team and org have organized ourselves is the right way because I'm like, yes, it's working perfectly. I I have influence over all of these things and I have the ability to shape this journey. And of course, it's an integrated journey because I own all of the things. So I think there's, there is something that is, there's a concept in the software world actually called Conway's Law. And it basically if you boil it down, says that systems will reflect the structure of the teams that built them. And so one of the ways for you to affect how a system is built is to change the structure of the team. It's called a reverse Conway. And so in my case, when we wanted to bring all of these disparate topics and audiences closer together, we did that by, by consolidating them under a single person. And in that case, it's me. All of these microsites, all of these topics used to live in separate places. They used to be very product aligned. In the last two years, when I took on that content strategy lead role, we consolidated all of that under me. And so I could do what was best for the audience because I owned all of the goals, all of the channels, all of the strategy, and all of the tactics instead of having it spread out. So that's the first thing where I do think that if you are trying to bring together more holistic journeys for your audience across different topics, consolidating that under a single team or a single leader is an easy way to basically be like, cool, you own it all now. So you kind of have to figure out how it goes together. On the flip side, I struggle with the breadth of that sometimes in terms of having the context across all of the products, all of the audiences, and all of the topics, right? My team is actually relatively small for the amount of stuff that we do. And I think this is a problem no matter what size organization you're in, everyone always feels under-resourced. And that's in terms of time, in terms of people, in terms of budget, in terms of subject matter expertise. 
And so I can, I can understand the structure where you potentially have kind of subject matter expert content creators that either sit separate or sit, you know, adjacent and have different goals to someone who's maybe got more of a marketing skill set or a buy intent goal, right? Like the subject matters, subject matter experts, especially in some of these technical topics are not necessarily marketers. And so having them paired with somebody who can think through the distribution and think through the publishing frequency and the content quality and that conversion path, think through the navigation, right? Like they may be able to, to do the full depth within that expertise, but they may not be able to do all of the different experience and journey design that say a marketer could do. So I, I don't want to say it depends because I, I know everybody hates that answer, but I do think it depends, right? Like, especially if you're doing technical marketing like I am, I need subject matter experts and they may not have some of those marketing skills. And so figuring out how we partner together and optimizing for that versus saying, okay, I need to find this unicorn that was an engineer and then did a stint in journalism and then did a, a stint in marketing and now is also a good people manager so that they can figure all this out. Like, I don't know who this person is, but like, I I mean, they get paid a lot of money if they exist, right? Like, they, they <laughs> right. really are the unicorn. So yeah, I, but I do think that that reverse Conway where you, you can, by changing the structure of the team, you can affect what you send out into the world for the audience. I think that is one easy way to fix some of these issues of silos where you just literally are like, great, no waltz. You go together, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th I think when deciding if you need to bring on talent, a lot of times it's, oh, we're at this stage, you know, our competitors are doing this or other people are doing this. And so, yeah, we need you know, X type of content marketer, or, or we need, you know, X type of product marketer, whatever it is. But I think what you brought up is a good point of the business problem that you're trying to solve, which should always be behind it, right? And so in this case, I think the the business problem at, at a high level was we have all these very like disparate content houses, uh, I guess, right? There's different content places that are not connected either. So it's one thing for them all to be microsites, not ideal for, for a few reasons, but but then for them not to be connected is another one. And then even at the, again, at the at the business level, but like, why does that matter for, for revenue? It's like the cross-selling portion of it too, right? It's right. like, we're, we're a platform. We're not trying to sell it's kind of like these one-off products of trying to sell a platform. And uh, we're trying to we know that people probably get more out of having that ecosystem, right? Like I think Apple is like the perfect example of this, right? Is when, when you have more Apple products, you probably get more from, from being like an Apple customer. So kind of the same thing with Atlassian. So knowing that that's the problem, it was like, oh yeah, we probably should bring on a leader, a generalist to, to help us kind of like get an arm around all of these things. And that can kind of like not even that can, but wants to, like, it sounds like you, you like to, and you like want to bring all of these things together and you want to sort of like play uh, in a few different playgrounds, if you will, right? Yeah. And so no, knowing that that's the business problem, finding someone to kind of lead that and that wants, that wants to be a generalist too. And then probably on, on your team, I think you talked to this a little bit, is, yeah, is some of those like specialists, because you do need someone that can talk, talk deeply about those different products. So maybe this is a good time to 
to recap a little bit, like, you know, on your team, maybe the mix of, yeah, specialists, whether it's writing type or specialists on like the product type, right? Like, do you have specialists that know the product very well, but then also kind of beat writers? What does that look like? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of the T-shaped framework, and I know that's kind of controversial. Some people are like, well, you can only, if you're only deep on one thing or you can't be broad on 10 things. And I'm like, okay, a lot of people have a lot of skills. Like, you know, it, it is actually very rare that you have somebody who's literally just like this. So I would say that we have T-shaped marketers. So our product marketers do have that deep expertise in product, their specific products in terms of things like features and, and audience, like what is being used. They also have some core product marketing skills around messaging, positioning, pricing, campaigns, and launches. And then I would say many of them have adjacent skill sets. Some of them are actually really good at social media. Some of them are really good at speaking or doing webinars. Some of them are really good at long-form writing. So again, we lean into those strengths. We're fortunate on a big team that I don't have to go to the same person for a webinar and long form content and social media posts. It's like, cool, we can lean into where those people excel. On my team, I would say the T-shaped is oriented more towards traditional content marketing skills. So, you know, editing or writing, social media, and then they have adjacent skills where they maybe understand a specific audience or they maybe they understand a specific topic. And then we do also have some evangelists who their T-shaping is really, their depth is in a different craft. So we have several who came from engineering backgrounds. We have one who I believe was a technical program manager who worked very closely with engineers and product managers. Another who was an engineer, he, he writes code, he builds demo environments, he builds integrations across like, so if we bring an insight there that we say, hey, this is... We see people continually asking for this, like the product manager or the product marketer comes with this insight and he will build, help build those integrations, for example. He is also very good at explaining what he's built and why he's built it and how it works. And so we do work with him to create content. Usually that takes more revision than for somebody whose primary skill set is writing, producing a blog post, for example. So I would say we actually have a lot of T-shaped folks on our team, but the nature of what is in those T's differs a little bit. And then, you know, you've got folks like me who are just kind of dabbling in all the things. And so I'm really good at connecting the dots and knowing which specialist we probably need to pull in. That's a piece that I excel at. I would say that's that's a unique value add that I personally bring. And I would say my manager is is very similar. She has worked across a number of different areas of marketing. She loves product marketing and especially the way we do it at Atlassian, where you get an opportunity to do a bunch of different things that, especially in some larger companies, may be their own specialty. But she's another person who can really look in and connect the dots and bring in the right specialists. Yeah, that makes sense. Seems like a well like diversified portfolio, if you will, because you have the different areas of focus in terms of yeah, product marketer, technical marketers, or content marketers. But when you're talking about uh, subject matter experts or extreme specialists, I was like, I guess like the the big problem would be that person's gone for a week, right? Like, and they're they're the only ones that like hold this the keys to the kingdom, I guess, on this uh, product. What do you do, right? And so having uh, you know some knowledge, not necessarily like deep knowledge in that, but someone that can at least cover in those situations, probably smart. 
All right. Yeah. So getting into like the logistics of what I'll call integrated product content, what would a, what would a win look like? Like what would a win for like an integrated campaign look like? Maybe a recent one that you want to share. Sure. So I love a campaign that we just did recently that was a mix, basically a collaboration across a number of different crafts. So for example, we just launched Global Issue Create in Jira Software. This has been something that was a highly requested feature from our customers. So one, it pulls in that customer insight. Then our social media team worked with the product marketing team and with our PMs to craft a whole social series of posts that went on their personal handles. So yes, the brand said, hey, yay, we've launched this feature. But the PMs who worked on it were able to put their spin on it and say, as a product manager, I am proud to ship this. Or as a product manager, one of my favorite things of turning customer content or customer requests into reality is this. And here's an example. And so we then were able to feed all of that back into our newsletters, for example, to say, here's the launch, here's how you use it, here's why we're super excited, here's what some customers are saying, right? Like we can we can pull that in from a community perspective and from a social media and newsletter perspective. So bringing in all of those channels. And then we actually have a variety of content. This one is less connected to kind of traditional content marketing, but more specifically around that launch. But it turns out that the product managers actually received higher impressions and more engagement on their personal posts about this launch than the brand handle, which makes sense, right? Because they are like, I think it was like 10 of them that did this. So I thought that was really cool. That's something that when I see we get how we've used like multiple content types, we use some videos, we use some social media posts, like mid form or short form posts, we used emails. So across different channel, different content types, and then the different specialists. And so having marketers who can enable PMs instead of trying to just champion this launch and not really have that deep understanding of how it was built, why it was built, the way that a PM does, like that to me was also really cool that we brought that together. Yeah, I like that example in part because there's essentially like a dual flywheel that happens when you do integrated marketing correctly, where one, because you have more departments involved from the beginning, that there's more like cohesion at the business level inside the business. So there's that sort of internal marketing that needs to happen or internal momentum, which like yeah. you really can't say like talk to too much, like the importance of that, because it's the difference of, you know, keeping a team together long term and having like that cohesiveness of say like a I'm doing a lot of analogies today, but say like the Warriors, I think is a good example of, of uh, you know, a team where they drafted a lot of those, those folks themselves, they were able to keep them. And because they were, they had momentum, right? Like because they were winning essentially. And because like everyone liked each other, they kind of like stayed together for a long time. So there's sort of like that internal flywheel uh, that you need to kind of continue creating high quality content and products at a high level that when you have that high churn, it becomes like very hard. So there's that. And then there's on the the actual marketing side, right? Like externally, you have like the flywheel of, again, because so many departments are involved and because you're kind of getting the best of everyone internally and leveraging more channels and more people, right? So you, you talked about, uh, you know, the PMs and then posting specifically as themselves, but then you also, you know, can post from the from the brand handle. handle. So 
you just get better distribution overall, which makes the actual marketing better. Not to mention like the messaging is probably better because a few more people are, are weighing in and, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's and all of that. So it seems like the, the way that you measure success is like how strong is the momentum and like flywheel that you're able to create from a campaign and like how cross-functional is it and does it become sort of like a a, a map for folks rather than like a you know, all all signs lead to, to one place and if that's not the place you're looking for like tough luck yeah yeah i really like how we've we've made it a focus to be integrated across our our channels and to make sure that we're not just siloed into one channel where it's like you're off doing your own thing because the audience can feel that and it's confusing when it's like, okay, this is jarring to go from place to place. So yeah, I I think that 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 is, again, it gets back to that playground, right? It's like you can come to us on social or via email or via community or via the product tour or via the microsite and you always will end up with this message and this ability to go wherever else you want to go. Nice. Okay. So logistically, and it can be off that specific campaign, if that's easier, or or you can take like a more traditional um, you know, product or feature launch for this. How how does everybody have that visibility? Like, is it one giant spreadsheet that everyone looks at? Do you do you uh, do you use Jira or Confluence, like to some degree, right, where everyone can kind of like see in one view, like here's the campaign plan, here's who's responsible at the you know department and individual level for certain things like how do you keep all of that organized yeah we definitely drink our own champagne we do use our products to do this which is awesome so yes we usually have a project poster in confluence which i think that's actually a free template for anyone that's like what is a project poster i'm like well go over grab the template you can use it but where it does very specifically define what is the problem? Why are we solving it? What does good look like? How are we measuring it? Who is involved? So it's got that high level thing. So we'll do, you know, for something that's large like that, where it's it's a full campaign and it's going to involve a variety of different teams, we'll do a project poster. And then some teams use Jira work management. Some teams use Jira software. My team actually uses a mix of both to track the work. So there's some really cool features like the calendar view and Jira work management is really awesome. Uh, and then obviously Jira software is great if you're deploying code, for example, there's, you know, a code in Jira tab. So that one is more targeted specifically to software teams. Although our team being the marketing team for the software teams, we do use Jira software quite a bit. And then we actually have started, my team has adopted Atlas which is really focused on the learnings and this like status and impact of the product or the project. And that gets reported all the way up to leadership. So for example, my boss, who's a VP level, she gets updates weekly and they're tweet length. So they're only 280 characters. And then if you want to add more, you have to specifically like, yes, I wish to add an, a more detailed note. But the goal is that you communicate really any blockers, major wins, and then outcomes and that happens weekly. And then there's a learnings tab where you can say like, hey, we ran this experiment and here's what we learned, here's what will change. So we use Atlas as well for that bigger visibility across the company. We also have a really strong internal blogging culture. So look back blogs, retro blogs are very common at the end of a big project to do a wrap up to say, you know, here's what we did, here's why we did it, here was the outcome. And then usually there's an additional section of like, other teams where this might be helpful for you or like 
tagging people to say like, hey, by the way, Camille, like, aren't you doing something kind of in this vein? This might be a good read for you. And so that's actually another great way internally for things to spread when you talk about that internal flywheel. Other people will read it and be like, you know, CC, Ashley, this is relevant to this project that you're working on. Then I can be like, oh, this is actually great. Let me contact the project owner and ask them if there was anything useful, like anything I could basically steal for some of my own projects. So those are some of the ways we keep keep the visibility in terms of why we're doing it at the beginning, how it's going, any blockers, progress in the middle, and then insights and takeaways or deliverables that someone else could use at the end. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think that'll be really helpful for folks. It's already given me a few ideas too. So a couple other things are just measurement. So you talked a little bit about transparency and goals, right? And kind of sharing that at the company level, you know, sharing it, you know, at your team level, individual level. So the importance of that, but what about sort of the goals themselves? So just talking to how you talk to kind of like, what does a good win look like or a good campaign, but from like an OKR, maybe standpoint of what are some of those goals that integrated leader might be responsible for? Yeah, we'll start there. Yeah. So we have OKRs at the company level. And so that is like our, you know, three or four key things. Obviously, you can't have just a single goal because like, you know, takes multiple people and teams to get those things done. So we have goals around things like, you know, growing our customer base. And that's a mix of new customers and customer retention. We have goals around, you know, hiring and how we continue to grow as a culture and, you know, how we, you know, making sure that we are a good place to work and that we have good talent because we know that will serve our customers better. We have some goals around our like corporate social responsibility type of initiatives. So we have the Atlassian Foundation, for example. So we have some goals around that. So there are different goals. Once those get broken down, obviously as a marketer, I tend to fall under the goal of customer and revenue growth, that OKR. That then starts to get broken down into things like net new customers versus number of users versus, you know, things like we call them, you know, like revenue per user or revenue per account. So those are different drivers for each of those. So basically those get laddered all the way down. And so in Atlas, actually, we have goals that get scored monthly and each of those ladders up into the OKR. So you may have something that is a company level OKR. You then have you know, whatever the marketing, like go to market, which includes, you know, sales and marketing and partners and channel, like there's a variety of things that make it up. So you would have your departmental kind of craft level goals within each of those. So for example, product marketing has its own set of goals. And then by the time you start getting into the agile and DevOps, which is where I sit, we have goals. So we report on those and we link them all the way up. So you can say, okay, what is this reporting to at a high level, but how do I break that down into something that's meaningful? So for example, one of my goals that I'm specifically responsible for is around share of mind in these specific topics. And so that's how we can look at that to say, okay, what is the, how do we make sure that we're showing up with the right message to the right audience in the right place? And then we do also have some conversion goals as well. So those get reported on each month. And then if we wanted to say, okay, tactically, here's the campaigns we're going to run. Therefore, each campaign needs to perform at roughly this level in order to achieve this aggregate goal. Nice. Yeah. No, thanks, thanks for breaking that down. Uh, I know it's it, it gets more, let's say complicated, but 
there's more levels when it's a bigger company, right? On like who's responsible for what, but it should always come directly from, from the business goals, right? Department goals, and then sort of waterfall down. All right. So yeah. last question, which is kind of, I think more, it will be kind of more of an exercise of, all right. So you, you're a lot at a larger company, I think you said 10,000 people, but this could be a, where would you start kind of a question. So if someone's interested in setting their company up in a way where they have like these tight relationships internally and where they can start to kind of build a integrated marketing engine where product and content are best friends, what might that look like at an early stage company? And then how would you think about scaling that out? And you can think about roles and how you'd organize those the org level and, and tools, if you want to throw in like some tools that you might need for this. Sure. I think step zero is hiring from a values perspective. And I know that that sounds kind of like, well, duh, you have to hire the right people. And I'm like, no, but seriously, like, do you hire people who are open to collaborating, who are open to sharing goals, who are open to sharing their knowledge? Because if you don't have those people, you can put in whatever shared goals you want in a dashboard. You can put in whatever shared strategy you want on a Confluence page. But ultimately, if the humans are not willing to do those things, you're screwed. So step step zero is set up that from a values perspective and start living that already. Make sure you're hiring from that perspective. I think step two would be creating that team. And I, I actually think it's useful to hire either generalists or T-shaped marketers in the early stages so that they get exposure. A, they have the skills to do multiple things, which if you don't have a large team is very helpful. But B, they already think in that integrated way. And so especially if they start working that way, they can start to optimize and test in each channel and start to see what works. And then once they start to see what works, they can double down on hiring a specialist to really scale and optimize a channel that has already had some early success. So that's what I would say from a, a kind of roles and organization standpoint. Like, I think there's so many variables around the maturity of the market, the maturity of the audience, the maturity of the offering, that it's hard to specifically be like, yes, step one, hire a product marketer first or hire a content marketing first or hire, even within content marketing, like hire SEO first versus like a writer or an editor first or even within product marketing. Do you hire a pricing expert? Do you hire like a messaging and positioning expert, like, you know. So that's why I go toward more the generalist or the T-shaped early. And then I think the next thing would be making sure that you hire a mix of junior and senior level people. So I see this a lot too at earlier stage companies. They want to hire like a CMO and a CTO and a CSO and a CIO. And I'm like, who is doing the work for you if you've got all these C-level people who haven't, been in the channels and been executing in years. Like, yes, you need somebody to cast the vision. So looking at the topography of that team as you start to scale, making sure that you're hiring some junior level folks that you can grow. And this is another way where it's like, how do you get them to collaborate? It's like, well, if you get them in early and you train them in that mindset, they grow up behaving that way and sharing the knowledge, sharing the insights and working cross-functionally. So that would be the other thing that I would say is you don't necessarily need to hire the most senior level right out of the gates. I would say maybe hire somebody who's in that player coach stage of their career so that they can do a little bit of it. They can maybe manage contractors or an agency, and then they can start to hire the first or second 
person on the team. Once you start to get that team where it's a little bit bigger and it's like, hey, how do we prioritize from a budget standpoint or a hiring standpoint? That's when you bring in that very senior level person to really help cast that vision for how you're going to scale. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, I think the thing that really resonated is like working with, um, you know, a couple good product marketers. They really do think in like an integrated way naturally. And so, uh, and I think it's because, well, it's a couple things like you're, you have to do a lot of stuff, like different stuff as a, as a product marketer, but the emphasis I think on positioning and knowing how important it is that internally you understand that positioning and, and evangelizing that internally like naturally helps you kind of like build those connections of making sure everyone knows what you're about, like knows really like not only what your software does, but like why it does it, who it helps, all those things. And so they're usually the ones kind of like beating that drum and also because of the feature launches and product launches and things like they're usually like the the best suited to already be thinking that way in terms of like integrated marketing. So that made a lot of sense. And then I think also yeah, diversifying. Like I've definitely seen that mistake be made as well of hiring kind of at like the same level. And then everyone kind of wants to stay in that zone, right? Like either you don't want to be doing the work. So like, I've been doing that for years. Like now I'm at this level or yeah, or you are, are the opposite. Right. And so, so having like a good mix of those folks is, yeah, it is important because you also want the people on your team to have a growth path too. Like, I think that's the one other thing that I would add is like, uh, if you want to retain people, like there should be a clear, clear growth path. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, so that's all I have in terms of uh, the logistics itself. And I know we've gone pretty long on this, but it's also meant we've gone pretty in depth. So I'm excited about some of the deep dives here. What advice, I guess, would you give for for teams that uh, are looking to implement this? I thought the the last thing of, of, yeah, where would you get started kind of covers this, but any last tips? Well, man, we've covered a lot of ground. So I don't know that I have like a universe, universally applicable tip. I think the the one thing that I'll say, which in theory should be every marketer's goal, but like focus on matching problems with solutions for humans. It's not about the algorithm. It's not about this one metric in this one dashboard. It's not about selling something that's, that nobody needs. If you really focus on matching problems with solutions for humans, you're probably going to be in a better place with all of your channels and tactics and deliverables and strategy and metrics and all the things. That's a perfect ending. So uh, where can where can people find you and uh, learn more about uh, integrated marketing, content marketing, product marketing, all the things? Yeah, all the things. You can find me most often on LinkedIn. I share there a lot. And if you're interested in any of the like tools, goal setting, we talk about some of these craft level elements on Atlassian.com as well. So if you check out the work-life blog or check out any of our topic focused microsites, we talk about some of this stuff at a high level as well. Ashley, pleasure as always. And we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Content Logistics. This episode is produced by Motion, a done-for-you B2B podcasting agency for busy marketers. If you liked what you heard, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.